Hello, lady apes, gentle apes, robot apes, alien apes, hologram apes, projection apes, and any ape in between any of those. Welcome to CrayonCast. This is a podcast by apes for apes, where several volunteering apes translate the due diligence crayon notes of other apes into audio format for those of us who don't know how to read. Your hosts are myself, Pickle Rick, Wipe with Wipes, Scalpel User, Breck the Poet, and Mid-Century Birdhouse. Before we get started, I must state that this content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other materials, legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in our content constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by the hosts or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or in any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful. Reading today's episode, the backstory of the Jamie story is Wipe with Wipes. Howdy, fellow apes. This is Wipe with Wipes. You can find me on Reddit as Wipe with Wipes. I'm otherwise a social media ghost. This is the GameStop backstory, as originally posted by user Houstman, H-O-U-S-T-M-A-N. Please note, this article was posted in the past. As a result, dates, events, and stock prices are reflective of that time. My typo-filled Twitter thread on GameStop Backstory has been posted by others to here and Wall Street Bets. I actually proofread it and fixed the oopsies. Now you can send it to people, and I look slightly less illiterate this time. Wall Street Bets banned me when I tried linking the tweets. So you guys are my home now. People talked about GameStop a whole lot at the end of January but the average person still doesn't understand or realize just what is happening in the market and how this one stock could result in the greatest transfer of wealth in human history. So let me give you all a little backstory. Why is GameStop a game changer? It all begins with the fact retail is dying. People buy things online. Games now have downloadable content, and you don't need to buy discs or cartridges anymore. Thus, people don't visit the retail stores as often. The storefronts are tired and 20 years old, and profits were spent on buying back 30% of GameStop's stock to keep the price from dropping so much it would force getting delisted. GameStop went from 100 million shares to 70 million shares, 20 or so million of which are owned by insiders and cannot be freely traded. Then about 35 million of the remaining 50 million shares are owned by big investment and index funds, while the remaining 15 million shares are in the hands of retail investors, average folk like you and me, who are too poor to be invited by a hedge fund, but put these shares in our meager portfolios or 401ks. It is important that you remember that there are only 50 million shares that can trade. Now, a couple years ago, to stay afloat, GameStop issued some bonds, and the first big set bonds are scheduled to mature in the middle of March 2021. Sometime over the last couple of years, 
Some hedge fund bros saw GameStop struggling and decided to short it. Then GameStop got hit by the pandemic, and they decided to short it some more. They wanted to drive GameStop into bankruptcy and the stock out of existence, and they were going to become kajillionaires in the process. For a short to work, the hedge fund bros have to borrow the stock from someone who owns it, an index fund, mutual fund, brokerage, etc. They have to borrow millions of shares of it, and then sell it when they think the stock is at a high. Then they either wait for the stock to collapse, or work to undermine it and drop the price as far as possible. Then buy back the shares at a steep discount and return them to their lender. Boom! Profit. If GameStop were to bankrupt, then the short hedge funds wouldn't even need to give back the shares or declare capital gains. Billions in profit tax-free. There is a huge economic incentive to murder GameStop as a corporation. So fully expecting GameStop to default on their bonds, the hedge funds shorted, and they borrowed more, and they shorted again. And they borrowed some more, and they shorted again. But who was buying the shares? Regular dorks like us. Retail investors were buying and hoarding the stock. By January, the shares on GameStop had been shorted something like 140%. How does that happen? Well, once the stock is borrowed and shorted, and someone like me buys the shares, I would get counted as an owner, and the fund from which the shares were borrowed also gets counted as an owner. Then the stock sits in my brokerage account, and my broker lends the stock to a hedge fund and shorts it again. So someone else bought the shares, and they're counted as an owner. I'm counted as an owner, and the index fund is counted as an owner. Before long, this will have gotten out of control, and the index funds will want their shares back. But the price of the stock will have risen above what the hedge funds had shorted it for, and retail investors refused to sell. This is called a short squeeze. And the result is the stock going from $2.57 per share to hundreds of dollars a share in just a year. According to Fintel this week, the institutional investors somehow own 200% of all the shares in existence. It wasn't that GME generated business that warranted such a high price, but the fact that hedge funds got out over their skis and their greed hoisted their own petard. Melvin Capital was down 53% after the first squeeze event in January. At this previous peak, shenanigans. Entire brokerage systems stopped retailers from being able to buy and only offered their customers the option to sell in an uncompetitive market to the hedge funds and not each other. And some, like Robinhood, even sold their customers' stocks without their customers' permission. The result was the stock fell and bottomed out to around $40 a share. But it wasn't done. More hedge funds loans were due, and they had to buy back the stock and give it to their lenders, so the price spiked again last week to around $200 a share in after hours. This caused a new problem. Options markets and the gamma squeeze. 
Options markets are weird to the average person. Basically, people who own large quantities of a stock will divide it into 100 share blocks and sell options to buy, known as call options, where you purchase the right to buy the stock at a set price of the market in the future, whether that be days, weeks, or months. For example, an option writer makes an out-of-the-money, or OTM, option for GameStop back at Christmas for $80 a share that has a maturity date of February 26th. This means if someone buys the option at like $1 a share for 100 shares, and by February 26th the stock is worth more than $80, they can exercise that option and get all 100 shares for below market value at $80 a share. The options writer must sell them those shares or else. Well, when a stock is trading at $20 and the options writer sells an $80 option, they more than likely don't actually own those shares because who expects a crappy stock like GameStop to shoot up 300 plus percent? This is called a naked option. And once the options contract is exercised, the options trader now has to find the shares to fulfill the order. The problem is that he only got paid $81 total for each share, $1 for the option, plus $80 for the stock. Last Friday, shares were $100 each. Now, the options guys are hemorrhaging money because the stock went from $40 to $100 in three days, and all the contracts due on February 26th from $100 on down are now in the money or ITM. On top of this, a whole bunch of short sellers were doing naked shorts, meaning they were selling stock they didn't have on the promise that in two to three days, they would be able to find the shares and deliver them. Betting that the price of the stock would drop and they could find cheap shares to fulfill their orders. As it stands, between the shorts, naked shorts, and naked call options, the rich douchebags have to find something in the neighborhood of 200 million to 500 million shares to fill their orders if the stock hits 800 by the 19th of March. Remember, there are only 50 million physical shares in existence, all now in the hands of retail investors who are refusing to sell, and millions more naked shares from call options will be in the money each Friday if the stock keeps rising. This means each following Monday, the naked option guys have to scramble to find shares to make good on their sale. Looking at the options market, for every dollar the stock closes up on a Friday over the previous Friday, another 20,000 or so options contracts become in the money. All the FTDs, or failure to delivers, from February 26th hit day 21 on March 19th. Every evening, after the market closes, the brokerages do some accounting with the clearinghouses. They open their books and review them and see that X number of shares moved from here and Y dollars moved there, and sometimes they may find that 3 million shares are supposed to move from a hedge fund account with brokerage A to accounts with brokerage B but the hedge fund account with brokerage A only has 2 million physical shares to give because they naked shorted 1 million of those shares. 
This is known as a failure to deliver, or FTD. So Broker J looks at their other accounts and sees that there are another 1 million shares owned by their customers, and they loan those 1 million shares to the hedge fund to then give to Brokerage B. And A's hedge fund account has 21 days to find 1 million more shares or else. This or else is big. Because if 21 days pass and the hedge fund hasn't found the shares, Brokerage A is required by law to liquidate the hedge fund's assets and buy the stock they owe Brokerage B at any price to fulfill their obligation. If the retail investors demand $1 million a share, then Brokerage A must pay $1 million a share and liquidate $1 million of the hedge fund's assets to pay for it. The same goes for the options writers. If they go 21 days from when they sold the shares and don't deliver, they now have to liquidate assets and pay any price for these shares. And they all have to do this hundreds of millions of times. Because remember, there are 200 to 500 million naked synthetic shares out there, but only 50 million physical shares. They don't know if they will get a physical share or a synthetic one when someone offers to sell. And they have to keep buying until all orders are filled with physical shares. Hedge funds and entire options markets will go bankrupt. If there are 500 million shares bought at $100,000 each, then these groups have to come up with $50 trillion. No one has that kind of money. So they will be liquidated out of existence. And then the insurance companies and the clearinghouse themselves will have to start buying shares with their $67 trillion insurance fund, which is basically just the Federal Reserve printing money if things go too far. The entire global economy is only $87.8 trillion. And for a brief few days, GameStop has the power to not only temporarily be a $7 trillion company, making Ryan Cohen possibly the world's first trillionaire, but to essentially see almost all the cash on earth go to fulfilling a whole bunch of crappy bets that douche bros made that now has to filter down into the hands of poor schlubs from Reddit who call their bluff. Something like 63 multi-billion dollar hedge funds could face annihilation. It takes $1 million in liquidity or a yearly salary of 200000 or more to invest in most hedge funds. Much of the 1% is about to lose all their wealth to a bunch of potty-mouthed degenerates from internet message boards, and the fear is palpable. Thus, potentially, the greatest transfer of wealth in human history is but days or weeks away. This ends the summary of the GameStop story. P.S. If you enjoy diarrhea jokes and pictures of a dog interspersed with fleeting moments of clarity, the author's Twitter handle is at the Houston Wade. That's T H E H O U S T O N W A D E.
Well, Crayon Nation, that's been today's episode. We encourage you to go and read the comments on the original thread on Reddit written by Houston. H-O-U-S-T-M-A-N. You can find a link to the original thread in the description of this episode. As always, be good to yourself, be good to others, and be good to the world around you. Your hosts have been me, Pickle Rick, Wipe with Wipes, Scalpel User, Breck the Poet, who also did our theme music, and Mid-Century Birdhouse. We'll see you next time.